This afternoon we'll be considering Baptist Catechism's numbers 8, Baptist Catechism numbers 8 and 9. Uh, two very important questions. Are there more gods than one? Uh, there is but one only, the living and true God, is question 8 and answer. Uh, question 9. How many persons are there in the Godhead? Answer. There are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one God, the same in essence, equal in power and glory. And I will read now from Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 9. Hear now the reading of God's most holy word. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, says Moses, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is now the reading of God's most holy word. May he add his blessing to the preaching of it this afternoon. If you were to consider questions 7, 8, and 9 of our catechism, you would see that all three have to do with the question, what is God? What is He? Catechism number 7 answers, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable, and His being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. We considered that question last week and even the week before it. But now we ask, are there more gods than one? And finally, how many persons are there in the Godhead? All three of these questions and the answers uh, that are given help us to think correctly about who or what God is. So are there more gods than one? That is the first question that we are considering this afternoon. And please allow me to make a philosophical observation before getting to the straightforward answer to the question. If what was said about God in Baptist Catechism number 7 was true, which it is, uh, then there cannot be more than one God. If He is indeed infinite, eternal, and unchangeable, then it is impossible for more than one of these gods to, to exist. That's a philosophical argument, I suppose, for uh, the, uh, the, the existence of, of only one God. And I'll leave that for you to ponder more thoroughly at a, at a later time. But for now, the straightforward answer is this. Are there more gods than one? We say there is but one only, the living and true God. That there is only one God is perhaps the most fundamental tenet of the Christian faith. Deuteronomy 6.4, which we just read, says, Hear, O Israel, listen up, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. This means that God 
is singular. There is only one God, and this one God is simple within Himself. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Whatever we say about God, we must confess that there is only one God. There is not more than one God, but only one, and this one God is singular or simple. In Isaiah 44, 8, God says, Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. So here is God's own testimony concerning His His uniqueness. He is the only one. He is the only God, our only rock. There is no other besides Him. Notice that our catechism calls the one God the living and true God. There is only one God and He is the living and true God, our catechism says. This is to distinguish the one true God from all false gods. We know that the scriptures do speak of other gods, but they are called that not because they are in fact gods, but because men and women worship them as such. In reality, they are created things that men and women treat as if they are the creator of all things. They are called gods, but really they are not gods. God alone is God, and He, unlike idols, which are carved from stone or wood, is living. God is the one and only God, and He is a living God. The one true God is alive, whereas the idols that men and women worship are lifeless. I do love the way that the prophets mock the idols in the Old Testament and how they even mock, in a way, those who worship the idols. They mock the idols, saying, Listen, these, these, these idols that you have made for yourselves, they, they have eyes, but they cannot see. <laughs> they have ears, but they cannot hear. They have arms, but they have no strength in them. So the prophets mock the idols for their lifelessness. There's no life in them. There's no power in them. And the prophets even go on to say that those who worship these idols become like them, you see. So these idols, they are called gods, but they are not really. They are not even alive. They are dumb, they are deaf, they are lifeless. And again, those who worship them become like them. But our God is living. The one true God is alive. He is alive because He has life in Himself. As Christ said, the Father has life in Himself. So He has granted the Son also to have life in himself. You and I are living, but we are not alive in the same way that God is alive. God has life in himself and he has granted us life. He has given us life and he sustains our life, but God has life in himself. Paul charged Timothy in the presence of God who gives life to all things. That is 1 Timothy 6:13. So God is the living God. Are there more gods than one? Well, if by that you mean do men and women worship other gods besides Yahweh, then we might say, yes, there are more gods than one because men and women worship other gods. But these, but these gods are not true gods. They are idols. They are not alive. They are creatures who have been treated as if they are divine. But God alone is God. He is the true God. He is the living God. And so, brothers and sisters, we are here again in this afternoon's sermon being exhorted to flee from idolatry, to worship God alone and not 
creaturely things. We are to flee from all forms of idolatry. Now we ask, how many persons are there in the Godhead? Answer, there are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one God, the same in essence, equal in power and glory. So I want you to notice the order. First, we establish the oneness of God. And then we talk about His threeness. And I think this is significant. Whatever we say about God's threeness must not violate His oneness. Both truths must coincide with one another. How many gods are there? There's only one. He is is singular. But we know that there is a sense in which there is a threeness within God. God is one, this is true. But as we pay careful attention to the Scriptures, we also see that there is a kind of plurality in the Godhead. We find hints of it very early on in the Scriptures, even in Genesis chapter 1, where we read, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. These hints at the plurality in the Godhead are mysterious early in the Scriptures. But as we move to the New Testament, the dim mystery gives way to clarity and to light. When all is considered, we see that there are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father is in some ways distinct from the Son and the Spirit. The Son is in some ways distinct from the Father and the Spirit. And the Spirit is in some ways distinct from the Father and the Son. And what distinguishes them We must say nothing at all except for the personal properties of paternity, filiation, and spiration. I say that to you, trying to remind you of that wonderful study that we went through on the doctrine of the Trinity not long ago. What distinguishes them? Only this, these personal properties of of paternity, filiation, and spiration. And, And that is a fancy way of saying that for all eternity... The Father eternally begets the Son. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, and the Spirit is eternally breathed forth by the Father and the Son. And the key word in all of this is eternally. There was never a time when the Son and the Spirit were not. Is it true that the Son and the Spirit are in their own way begotten from the Father? Well, yes, the the Father begets the Son, and the Father and the Son beget or spirate the Spirit. So there is this liveliness within God. And and, and the Scriptures reveal it. But it has been this way eternally so. There was never a time when the Son was not or when the Spirit was not. The Son and the Spirit, in other words, are not creatures of God. But they are eternally begotten, begotten. rather. Remember, we have already confessed that God is infinite eternal, and unchangeable. We've already confessed that. Now we have confessed that there is only one God, and furthermore, within the one God, there are three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father is fully God. Revelation 1, 5-6 says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of, the, of kings on earth, to Him who loves us and has freed us from all our sins by His blood, and made us a kingdom, priests to His God and Father." To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The Father is fully God. And the Son is also fully God. 
In John 1, 1 and 14 we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Son, who is here called the Word, is fully God. And the Spirit is fully God as well. In Acts 5, 3-4 we read, But Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? You have not lied to man, but to God. So here the Holy Spirit is called God. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all fully divine. What unites them? It is the divine nature that unites them. All three have the fullness of the divine nature. What distinguishes them then? Only the personal properties of fatherhood, sonship, inspiration. The Father eternally begets the Son, and the Father and Son eternally breathe forth the Spirit. And yet there are not three gods, but only one. So our confession begins with the question, how many gods are there? We say, there's only one. Then it moves to this idea that there, are, there is a plurality within God. There are, there are three persons within the God. Then it returns again back to the insistence that there are not three gods, but only one in order to protect us against any form of polytheism or tritheism here in this instance. There's only one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. As mind-blowing as this doctrine is, I wonder if you know that our confession says that this doctrine of the Trinity is the foundation of all our communion with God and comfortable dependence on Him. Our confession has a wonderful statement about God, and in particular uh, the triune nature of God. And after our minds are blown by it, our confession says this again, this doctrine of the Trinity is the foundation of all of our communion with God and comfortable dependence on Him. We could spend a while talking about why this is, but in brief, you and I have been reconciled to the Father by the Son through the Spirit. Our salvation is Trinitarian, brothers and sisters. The one God has determined to save us, and the one God has accomplished our salvation and does apply it to His elect in due time. Again, we have been reconciled to the Father by the Son through the Spirit. It is the triune God who created us It is the triune God who has saved us to the praise of His glorious grace. Again, this doctrine of the Trinity is the foundation of all our communion with God and comfortable dependence upon Him. Let's bow for a word of prayer now. Great God in heaven, we confess that You are the one and only God. You alone are worthy of our praise, for You have created us You have also redeemed us by Your grace. And we know that You are triune. We give You praise, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for You are worthy to receive all of our adoration. We thank You for Your kindness to us. We thank You that You have revealed Yourself to us, that You've shown us mercy and grace, that You have indeed redeemed us and reconciled us to Yourself. God, help us to know You better, to know the facts about You, to know who You are in a factual way, Uh, Not so that we might have the facts only, but so that we might draw near to You through faith in Christ. Help us to draw near to You, O God, and to worship and to adore You. In the name of Christ we pray, and all of God's people say, Amen.